What position did Ben Wyatt play on his JV baseball team? Answer at the end of the episode. We all burned our initials in, see? Wait a minute, who's G-J-L-G-G? That's Gary, Jerry, Larry, Gergich, Gengerich. I burned in all my names. I really, I didn't know what to do. Hello! Welcome to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If this is your first time listening, thank you. This is being recorded Tuesday, April 27th, 2021. If you'd like to contact me, you can either email me at citizensofpawnee at gmail.com, or you can message me on Instagram. The show page is at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast, and my Parks and Rec fan page is at Parks, Parks Rec Memes. New episodes drop every Wednesday morning and can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. This week, I will be discussing Jerry Gergich. But before that, before we get into that, I have a few things to go over. First off, and this is uh, totally unrelated, but I was just curious um, because I just watched it last night. Did anyone see the new Mortal Kombat movie? It just dropped on HBO Max. And I guess at, at theaters too, but, um, you know, obviously being on HBO Max was the big thing because you could just stream it and watch it at home. I was very excited about this movie because uh, for the longest time they had been talking about rebooting it. And when I found out they were, it was just like, oh, hell yeah. You know, because I was a huge Mortal Kombat fan growing up. I was in like sixth or seventh grade when that game came out, the first Mortal Kombat. And it, I, I just remember it was just insane. I mean, like how popular those games were. So I was into like that for a while. And then the the, the whole storyline just went bonkers and um, I didn't really follow it. Uh, but anyway, going on, let's get back to the movie. Um, it sucked. <laughs> Sorry uh, if, if anyone really, really enjoyed it, but there were some good scenes in it. There was some good uh, violence, some good gore and everything. And Kano, the guy, uh, which actually, if anyone watches the show Superstore, which just ended, sadly, just ended. It was a very good show. The pharmacist who was kind of like a, a background character named Tate. Uh, his name is Josh something I forgot, but he plays Kano and he is probably the best thing about the movie just because he's he's an a-hole and it's very uh, any scene he's in, he steals. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, new Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, I'd give it like a five out of ten. So if anyone was interested anyway. Uh, yeah, so let's move on. I do have one email this week. Um, so here goes to Brian. My name is Sophie and I'm from the UK parks and rec is my favorite show ever. And I never get bored of it. I love listening to your podcast. It always brightens up my day. Thank you, Sophie going on. I can't wait for you to cover Ron, April and Ben. They're some of my favorite characters as well as Andy. Did you know that whenever they would film an eating scene, Chris Pratt never used the spit buckets and just ate everything they gave him. I find that quite funny and very much like him. Also, I love at Parks Rec memes. I think you're very talented with the scene edits. Thank you again, Sophie. I really appreciate that. I, too, am also a big fan of Marvel and WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Do you like that one as well? Who are your favorite characters from each? Uh, first of all, yes, I uh, just finished uh, the Winter Soldier or, uh, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier like everyone else. And I thought it was great. Uh, as far as those two shows, WandaVision and um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I don't even know. I, I think for pure entertainment value, uh, 
I liked Falcon and Winter Soldier a little bit better because it was it was more action packed, and it just went more. It, it felt like it fit in more with the Marvel storyline where WandaVision was just like this completely bonkers, like very original. But um, the thing with WandaVision is it took two episodes to get going. And I really thought those first two episodes were just kind of a waste of time. But anyway, uh, my favorite characters uh, from WandaVision, I would probably say uh, the combination of Jimmy Woo and Darcy Lewis were probably my favorite characters. Cause like Wanda and Vision, I think are too obvious to pick one of those, even though Vision was great. Um, the show was mostly, you know, like Wanda centered, but anyway, just, uh, yeah, Jimmy Woo and Darcy, I thought they were hilarious together and it was great to just give those two something to do to bring them back into the MCU. Um, for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I would, I mean, Sam was awesome, obviously. Uh, spoilers, 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 skip forward 10 seconds. He does become Captain America at the end, which we knew he was going to, but it was just so incredible to see that. And um, yeah, especially to to see a, a, a black man this day and age. To, I mean, I know they did it in the comic books, but to, you know, in, in media right now, that's it's a huge deal. So I, I, I thought it was great that they did that. And, um, you know, the character of Sam Wilson is awesome. And I also like Anthony Mackie. Um, he seems kind of boring. I don't know. He just seemed kind of like a nerd, <laughs> but uh, he, he is funny though. So, but um, that said, I would have to say Bucky was probably my favorite character in um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I just love that he's still going, he's fighting these personal demons for all the horrible things he has done in his life while he was brainwashed as the Winter Soldier. And um, yeah, just he, he has, I think he has a really great redemption there, especially at the end when he has to kind of uh, tell someone about a horrible thing he did. And um, yeah, it was just a great acting and especially the part where Bucky was being scrubbed of the, the Winter Soldier um, mind poisoning. That, that scene was great with just Sebastian Stan, like really giving it his all. I mean, just like crying his eyes out, trying to get through this. And if you if you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, if, if you if you're not into the MCU, you're probably just like, what the hell is he talking about? But um, so, yeah, just to answer your question. And then uh, sorry, this email is taking a really long time with me answering because I can never make things quick and concise. Just a few other questions. This is back to the email. One. What is your favorite Parks and Rec episode? My favorite episode is probably Smallest Park. And that is, I don't, it's not like it's necessarily the funniest episode, but I always go to this one because it has my absolute favorite scene in the show, which I've gone over on this show before, but or on this podcast before. But yeah, the episode when Ben and Leslie finally get together. I just, I, I love how she invites him to the park and they, it looks like they're going to go separate ways. Like they're just going to, okay, we'll, we'll, screw it. You know, like, we'll, we'll just be friends. But instead the screw it comes from Leslie when she just says, let's just do it. I don't care what the repercussions are. I love you. You know, I miss you. And Ben kisses her and it's just amazing. So that's my favorite scene from the show. So off the top of my head, I would say smallest park. Um, a close second would probably be the season finale of, uh, season six, which is moving up where they do the, the unity concert. Just love that episode. I love the, the, the concert aspects seeing genuine and then some of these other, uh, you know, great groups. So yeah, that would be my, my favorite parks and rec episode Two, How would you feel if they did an Andy and April spinoff? I would love it. I think most people would. I I'm pretty happy though with where the show ended. If the whole show would have kept going, that would have been great. 
But like spinoff shows, I, I would love to see one, but I'm totally fine if they never did one. So three, who's your favorite actor from the show? I actually was thinking about this because while Ben Wyatt is my favorite character on the show, I don't really watch a whole lot of Adam Scott outside of Parks and Rec. He was great on The Good Place. But again, I don't really follow him that much. So I would probably say my favorite actor on the show is Paul Rudd, who plays Bobby Newport. Everyone knows that. But yeah, he has a small character arc, but he is an actor on the show. And I love Paul Rudd. I love him as Ant-Man, back to the MCU. And then just uh, everything he's been in. He's he's one of those guys that's been acting for like 30 years, but he only looks like he's about 30. He's aged very well. And um, yeah, so good for you, Paul Rudd. Number four, who's your personal favorite side character? This was a tough one, but ultimately I went with Jeremy Jam. He is a sleazy scumbag. A lot of the side characters are, but I just, I, I, he is so, the, the whole fact, I, I think that my favorite thing about Jam is that he thinks Leslie is his best, or Leslie is his best friend. He doesn't think that, but he thinks he's Leslie's best friend as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to get to Jam very soon, actually. So and then five, about the Sapersteins. Do you love how much you hate them or hate how much you love them? I, I guess I would have to say I hate how much I love them because I do love the Sapersteins, all three of them. They're all hysterical. So I, I wouldn't say I hate to love them. I mean, like, I'm totally fine loving them. I understand the question. But as I uh, talked about in the Sapersteins episode, they had talked about possibly doing a spinoff show with John Ralphio and Mona Lisa. To be honest, I don't think I would want that because as much as I love John Ralphio and Mona Lisa and Dr. Saperstein, I think they get just enough screen time. Maybe a little bit more for John Ralphio would have been good, but we just see like the kind of like sleazeball he is. And it'd be kind of like having like a spinoff show with Tom. I wouldn't, I would watch it of course, but I, that's definitely not the one I want to see because Tom's. Kind of, a, you know, like when you get more of Tom, you realize how much he actually sucks as a person. And uh, John Ralphio, I think, would just annoy the living crap out of all of us if we had to watch him that long. But that's just me. I I'm sure there are many people who think I'm insane for saying that. And that's fine. So, OK, so that was my email. So thank you very much, Sophie. I appreciate it. Remember, anyone else, if you have any questions, things like this. Uh, if you're just interested in, you know, like what color socks I'm wearing right now, which trick question, I'm not wearing any, uh, go ahead and email me again. That's at citizens. No, not at citizens of Pawnee, citizens of Pawnee at gmail.com. Okay. So last thing before I get into Jerry, I actually want to just start his section off with a quick little story. This is very fast. Actually, it's not really a story, but when Parks and Rec was right before the final season was airing. I remember, uh, and I, I used to have a subscription to Entertainment Weekly. I'm sure I got it for free with something because I don't subscribe to magazines. I don't think most people do anymore. But again, this was also like 10, 12 years ago. No, it wasn't that long ago. Probably like six, seven years ago. But anyway, so I got the Entertainment Weekly, and on the cover was the part, the cast of Parks and Rec. And it was just like, oh, my God, this is so great. I should have kept it. I wish I would have. But anyway, on the cover of the magazine, they have the, 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 the full cast, the, the nine or ten of them. And Jerry's face is blocked by some of the letters from entertainment. Like everyone else has their heads in the forefront. Like, you know, they're all covering entertainment weekly. However, Jerry's is covered by like the N and the T from entertainment. And I remember the first time I looked at that, I felt like a total idiot. 
And I just showed my wife. I'm like, can you believe these idiots? Like they really that like they put Jerry's face. But oh, wait a minute. And my wife just kind of looked at me like it's Jerry. You know, you know. Yeah, it's like I get it. So anyway, I um, I'm going to add a, a picture of that in the show notes if you want to check that out. So. All right. Let's move on to Jerry Gergich. Gerald Gergich, also known as Jerry, Terry, Larry, Gengerch, Gergich, played by Jim O'Hare. The character was born February 29th, 1948. Uh, yep, February 29th. Of course, they would do this for Jerry. He is born on Leap Year Day. His first episode is the pilot. His final episode is the Parks and Rec special, and he appears in 121 episodes. All right. Jerry Gergich is the Parks and Rec Department punching bag. He's often treated poorly due to his ineptitude, clumsiness, and penchant for mispronouncing words. Though it is usually played for laughs, sometimes the rest of the Parks Department are flat out mean to Jerry, especially April and Tom. Outside of work, though, he has a wonderful life. He's married to a beautiful woman named Gail, played by Christy Brinkley, and has three beautiful daughters as well, named Millicent, Miriam, and Gladys. Jerry is also incredibly talented, but even when he impresses with an idea, invention, or project, the others will often find the bad in everything that he does. Some of Jerry's accomplishments include creating renewable clean energy, which this is, uh, it's funny, like in this episode, Tom is just trying to come up with like, he's just, he's got people lined up at the parks department showing him new inventions. He's trying to invest in some. So it's like almost like Shark Tank, but Jerry comes in and he's holding this little like piece of, you know, like a, a little piece of wood and he has created a, a way to make renewable energy, I guess. So he's holding it and he's explaining it to them. And naturally because it's Jerry, no one cares, even though this, like this invention could change the world. So they basically tell him like, no, no one cares, you know, like whatever. And then Jerry sneezes and he drops the whole thing and it just shatters into pieces. So it, so much for that. Okay. Um, okay. He has also made some incredible paintings, like the one with Leslie as a centaur woman and the beautiful landscape picture that Leslie chucks into a lake. <laughs> he can also cook and dance. He's a notary public, an ordained minister, and becomes mayor of Pawnee. Also, according to Dr. Harris, Jerry has the largest penis he's ever seen. He's seemingly always nearing retirement and does best when tasked with easy, repetitive things. Ron described Jerry as both the schlemiel and the schlemazel, meaning that, for example, Jerry is the one who would spill the soup, but also be the one who the soup is spilled on. I love that because it's so true. Despite all of his shortcomings, though, Jerry is always cheerful, optimistic, and friendly. Moving on to his seasonal breakdown. Uh, season one, I'm just going to skip through that one, actually, because kind of like Donna's character, Jerry is mostly just a background character. He's mentioned a couple times and he might get a couple like, you know, negative things said to him but yeah the, this is we didn't even know that like him and donna were going to be full-time characters at this point so moving on to season two jerry's first notable scene comes in the episode practice date in this episode the parks crew are playing a game on who can dig up the most dirt on a co-worker here we learn that jerry has had a few public urination violations 
That was hard to say. When Jerry calls out Mark Brandanowitz, saying that Mark has an unpaid parking ticket, we find out that Jerry was adopted. Unfortunately, he's finding out for the first time as well. Here's a clip. Hey, Mark. Um, a little birdie told me that you have one unpaid parking ticket. That's funny because a little birdie told me that your adoptive mother was arrested for marijuana possession. <laughs> what? You didn't know that, huh? I didn't know I was adopted. Oh, no. Oh, Jerry. Oh, Jerry. I'm so sorry. I really didn't want to play. In the camel... Someone defaces one of the city hall murals, so all of the departments are tasked with coming up with a new mural. While most of the parks department come up with silly or irrelevant ideas, Jerry makes a beautiful pointillist piece, which consists of all the citizens of Pawnee. Uh, if you're confused with what a pointillist piece is, if I'm pronouncing it correctly even, it's uh, it's basically like, you know, like when you create a picture of other pictures. So Jerry makes, you know, the, the, the picture of city hall, but every one of the little it's like a mosaic i guess kind of but yeah it consists of every person in pawnee and that like different shaded colored pictures create the thing yeah you know what i mean but anyway okay uh so despite this being the best picture hands down it is quickly overlooked and tossed aside when jerry accidentally calls it a mural and is laughed off the stage pretty much in park safety, Jerry is tasked with filling the hummingbird feeders around the parks after his name is drawn from a hat, wherein the loser has to do the bird feeders. Jerry complains as he's had to do this numerous times in a row, not knowing that the other employees are actually writing the name Jerry on the sheet that they put into the hat, which should have their own name. While out on his mission, he is apparently mugged. The parks department is sympathetic towards him after hearing the news. However, it is soon discovered after video evidence surfaces that Jerry wasn't mugged. He hurt himself after dropping a burrito, then falling on his shoulder trying to reach for it. This is actually a sad revelation because uh, Jerry essentially created this lie because he was afraid of his co-workers making fun of him. Yeah, it is kind of sad, actually. And Mark Brandanowicz brings that up to Leslie, you know, that it's like you would rather have uh, an employee lie about something like this than actually face his co-workers so he's kind of telling leslie's like this might not be the greatest situation however he's he picks on jerry as well so anyway in the fan favorite episode hunting trip we find out that ron mark and jerry have a yearly hunting trip that they all go on jerry says that he loves the annual hunting trip because it's the only time of the year he can pee standing up one of my favorite scenes with jerry comes in the episode 94 meetings here, April has unknowingly scheduled 94 meetings for Ron Swanson because she kept trying to outsmart the citizens by scheduling the meetings on March 31st, thinking there were only 30 days in March. When Ron tries to assess the situation, he enlists all hands on deck, including Andy and Ann, who don't even work for the Parks Department at the time. Ron says that he needs anyone with half a brain to help. Suddenly, Jerry pops his head in and asks if Ron needs help with anything. And this is Jerry doesn't know what's going on he just happens to see everyone in a room and so he pops his head in and asks ron if they need help um and as busy as they are ron tells jerry no we're good uh actually you can go home early if you want <laughs> so it's funny to me because he would actually rather use andy to deal with citizens instead of jerry 
yeah, that's that's kind of that's a low note for Jerry. <laughs> okay, so moving on to season three. In the episode Time Capsule, we find out that Jerry went to an all-boys school and played Tinkerbell in a production of Peter Pan. And this is, you know, they're, he's trying to put his, his mother's uh, journal, I believe it is, into the time capsule. And that's when April starts. They just happen to open up to this page. And his mom says, Jerry was a beautiful Tinkerbell as she reads it. And then everyone starts laughing at him, of course. He's like, it was an all-boys school. In Harvest Festival, Jerry gets one of his biggest assignments ever as he is tasked with supervising Lil Sebastian all day at the festival. Here we find that Jerry has diabetes as he and Lil Sebastian are glucotrol buddies, which is a diabetes medication. At the festival, Jerry is given a break when Tom Haverford says that Jerry should take a break, excuse me, and that he'll watch Sebastian for a little bit. Naturally, Tom drops the ball and leaves the gate to Sebastian's pen open, allowing him to escape and eventually go missing. When Jerry returns and notices the pen open and knows Sebastian, he confronts Tom. When Tom tries to turn the tables and blame Jerry, this is one of the few times you see him truly angry as he yells back, I wasn't even here! They eventually find Sebastian hiding in the corn maze. We find out more about Jerry's talents when he paints a beautiful picture of a topless centaur warrior woman who just so happens to look exactly like Leslie. When it's brought up, Jerry is genuinely baffled that he didn't realize what he was drawing. He claims that he was thinking of a strong woman and that he must have subconsciously thought of Leslie. Nice compliment. Also in the picture is a small, fat, cupid-looking baby that looks exactly like Tom. I love this because though he, they don't really explain anything about that Tom character, except, you know, Tom sees it and just whines and cries like the little baby he is. Uh, Jerry doesn't really explain where that idea came from, but I like to think that that's what he thinks of Tom. You know, Tom is one, like probably the, the worst to him in the, in the whole office. He's just a complete a-hole to Jerry all the time. And also Tom uses Jerry as a punching bag for his insecurities. So whenever Tom is like, you know, like if he's being called out on something, he can easily just like throw it at Jerry and say, no, it's Jerry's fault. Like the whole thing with little Sebastian, he clearly left, you know, he let Sebastian out because he wasn't paying attention. But then immediately when Jerry comes in and, and asks him where he is, Tom's like, you left the pen open. You let him out. Just like a, oh, bugs me so much. As much as I love the character of Tom, I hate him so much. But anyway. Okay, uh, in Lil Sebastian, the season finale, the town holds a memorial celebration and concert for the deceased mini horse. Jerry is tasked with getting propane so that Ron can light, uh, I forgot what it's called, but it's just like a giant candle for uh, the, the vigil that they're doing. And right before he lights it, she asks Jerry off to the side, did you get the propane? And he says, oh, they were all out. I got lighter fluid instead, which is basically the same thing. And then in the background, you see Ron light it and a giant fireball erupts that burns off his eyebrows and his mustache. And there's a really funny scene after the thing when they're back at City Hall talking and Jerry is talking to Ron and he apologizes, you know, for, for getting the lighter fluid. He's like, I didn't know it was going to do that. And Ron's like, that's fine, Jerry. You know, he's being sarcastic, but he's like, how are you supposed to know? And it's so funny because, again, Ron has no eyebrows and like half of his mustache is burnt off. And Jerry's just like, are you sure, Ron? I can't really tell because without, without eyebrows, I can't see your expressions. So good. Okay. 
in wait i missed something sorry okay so that was the end of season three season four it is in this season that we find out jerry's real name is gary during the trial of leslie nope leslie calls him to the stand and when he states his name as gary gergich leslie laughs saying that he can't even get his name right he explains that on his first day the old deputy director mistakenly called him jerry and gary never corrected him uh, just a side note here. I'm just going to interject real quick. Though his name changes throughout the series, I'm just going to keep referring to him as Jerry. So I'm not being inconsistent, actually being a little more consistent. But yeah, just to make it uh, less confusing, I'm just going to keep calling him Jerry. But I will tell you about the name changes. Anyway. Okay. So in the episode Sweet 16, Leslie plans a surprise birthday party for Jerry's 16th birthday which is uh, he's actually 64 years old but as i said before um he's six his sweet 16. so uh which as i mentioned is on february 29th which is leap year day that's very fitting so she invites the parks crew to donna's family's lake house for the party after setting up and give her, giving everyone their duties a tired and overworked leslie realizes that she forgot to invite the guest of honor jerry so her and Ron drive back to Pawnee to get him, walking in out of him while he's taking a bath because he's at home and he thinks it's Gail knocking on the door, even though uh, I believe Leslie announces herself before she comes in. So I don't know how he didn't know that it wasn't Leslie. Anyway, the three of them return to the party to find Ben asleep, April very drunk and passed out, I believe. Donna's still upset that people aren't following the house rules. And Tom and Anne fighting because Anne didn't know who Genuine was. Moving on to season five. In the episode Halloween Surprise, Leslie and Anne plan on pranking Tom by scaring him as he comes out of the bathroom, but accidentally scare Jerry instead, which prompts him to have a heart attack. This induces a barrage of farts and led to Tom trying to get Dr. Harris to call it a fart attack. Leslie arranges an auction to help with his medical bills. I don't think they make very much money. I don't recall the actual amount, but it's like pennies compared to what his bills are. But he's optimistic as always, because there's just like, even if Leslie gave him $2, he'd be like, that's great. You know, any, everything will help because that's just Jerry. Okay. In the episode, Ron and Diane, we find out that Donna, Tom, April, and Andy have a Jerry jar. And I can't remember if that's what it's actually called. But uh, this is a jar that they keep at work where each of them adds a dollar every time Jerry says or does something stupid at work. Like if he trips and stumbles on something or if he says twout instead of trout or if he bends over and his pants split at the seam. All of these things do happen, as you know. On the night they decide to treat themselves with the yearly intake, they find out that Jerry is having a kick-ass Christmas party that everyone was, was invited to except them. When they show up to Jerry's, they are told that they all got an invite, but thanks to the Gary filter that they had installed, all of Jerry's emails go to a spam folder. After Anne shames the group for using Jerry's misfortunes to their mis for the, uh, sorry, after Anne shames the group for using Jerry's misfortunes to their pleasure, they all decide to give the money to Jerry as a Christmas present. It's a pretty nice stack of money, actually. There's there's a couple hundred bucks. I can't remember if Tom says how much is in there, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a, be a nice present to just hand someone that much cash, you know, unexpectedly for the for the recipient recipient recipient. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. 
In two parties, we find out that Jerry met his wife, Gail, at Sherm's, which is an ice cream shop the guys go to to signify Jerry's honeymoon. So with this episode here, they are having a, a bachelor party for Ben Wyatt. And it is discovered that out of all the guys in the parks crew, none of them had an appropriate honeymoon. So they or a bachelor party, actually, none of them had a, a bachelor party. So, yeah, they, they go around and, uh, you know, like Andy gets to go. Well, they all go. But Ron, for, for Andy's thing, they get to go uh, watch the, the Colts practice for a little bit. Um, for Tom's thing, they go to uh, a, a bar and, uh, you know, things like that. So, yeah, Jerry explains. It's really funny because he's sitting down. He's like, oh, I met I met Gal here at Sherm's. She had big breasts, long legs. Ugh, not my type at all. <laughs> I love that so much. In Leslie and Ben, we find out that Jerry is an ordained minister, and he officiates the wedding of Leslie and Ben with some help from Tom. In Animal Control, when Jerry fills out an application to run Animal Control, it is discovered that Jerry's degree was from a two-year college and that he's technically not even qualified for his current job. Chris lets Jerry keep his job, but at a lowered salary. Jerry is okay with this. That's like that's another thing that's really sad there. That yeah, the, 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 he, Jerry's been working for for at this point he had been working for the Parks Department for like almost forty years, and so the fact that the city screwed up by hiring him in the first place, knowing he wasn't qualified, now some forty years later they're telling Jerry, oh, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna lower your salary because you shouldn't be making this much, and he's just like, oh, absolutely. It's it's. Again, it's sad, but it's funny and it's very fitting. So, Jerry finally retires in the episode Jerry's Retirement. However, he returns in the same episode to work part time when Tom encourages Ron to hire him back so that the office will always have, quote, a Jerry. And uh, to explain this real quick so, yeah, Jerry retires and it is brought up almost immediately that there is going to have to be a new Jerry. And by that, they mean that every office has that kind of punching bag type person. So right off the bat, they're doing uh, a Tom is doing a presentation and he's like, oh, I just have to to Philo these this pile, Philo, file, file. So immediately everyone starts calling him Philo Pilo. And, you know, Tom just starts whining. I was always picked on when I was a kid. So, yeah, basically, they just they hire Jerry back, which is so amazing. The day he retires, they hire him back and he shows back up. Actually, it might be like a day or two later. but Okay, moving on to season six. In season six, we see Jerry return full time to the Parks Department as a filing clerk. Upon his return, he asks that everyone could please start calling him by his real name, Gary. However, when he asks, he starts to nervously ramble on and eventually calls himself by the wrong name. And so the office starts calling him Larry. April also decides to change his last name to Gengerch, which he sadly accepts and even changes his voicemail, voicemail outgoing message to Larry Gengerch. In the episode Anniversaries, Ben Wyatt has an elaborate day of events planned to celebrate his and Leslie's anniversary. However, Leslie, unknowing of the surprise, is busy with other things and can't attend. Since everything is paid for, Ben invites Jerry along to celebrate in Leslie's place. The two have a wonderful day, as Ben's planned activities include a couple's massage, a horse-drawn carriage ride, tango lessons, and a cooking class. In Galentine's Day, 
When Ben spends the day with Jerry and Tom, he sees the way Jerry is mistreated constantly and isn't given credit even when it's due. So at the end of the episode, Ben, 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 stands, up, ben stands up on his chair in the office and declares that he likes Jerry and claims that they are friends. The rest of the department can't believe what Ben's doing and liken it to social suicide. Jerry is put into a quarantine-style tent and is forced to stay inside during the episode Flu Season 2, which this, yeah, I remember that I used this meme right, you know, around April last year, like when quarantine was hitting. Actually, I think I waited a little bit because at first it was like a really big deal. Then it was not, not that COVID wasn't a big deal, but once people were a little more comfortable with it, I'll say, because at first it was, yeah, this is, this is terrible. And it, and, and again, it was, but yeah, just the the thing that I like here is that, you know, in the pandemic we were going through, people were being encouraged to work from home if they could. And in this episode here, he has the flu and Leslie's making him work at the office, but in, you know, in a tent or a little quarantine style, a quarantine style tent instead of just letting him go home. In the season finale, moving up, Jerry keeps making blunders at Tom's new restaurant as they prepare for the grand opening. First, he drops a few plates to which Tom actually forgives him, saying, it's good luck, you know, if you drop a few, that's fine if a few of them break. So, Jerry, I'm not mad at you. Then, immediately after that, Jerry stumbles into the dish rack and knocks them all over, domino style. So, it's like three huge racks with all of the, the, the plates, the, the dinnerware, everything. Everything just gets destroyed. And then, finally, <clears throat> and then finally, when tasked with picking up the menus... Tom finds that Jerry has uploaded the wrong pictures, and now the menu is featuring a picture of Jerry's dog's anus, because obviously he took his dog in for uh, some medical reason and uh, probably just mixed up the pictures that the doctor gave him back. So on the cover of the Tom's Bistro menu is a really disgusting shot of a dog's butthole. At the end of the episode, we jump forward three years and now find that Jerry is being called Terry. I'll get to season seven in a second. Just a quick side note. While this is funny and unique for the show, I think by this time when they started calling him Terry, it was kind of an eye roller. It was just like, all right, we get it. Like, I think it would have been funnier if they just went back to Jerry or Gary even or, you know, but they just they they did it too many times. And it just got to a point, which is why I said before, it's like, I'm just going to call him Jerry because that's basically who he is for 90% of the show, you know? Okay. So season seven, which is three years later, you know, with the time jump, as I just said, Jerry now goes by Terry as there was already a Larry in the department and uh, the guy, I believe, or no, Jerry just said that he didn't want to make things you know, he didn't want to mix things up, so he decided he would just change his name to Terry. I don't know if he did that or if someone else started calling him that. But anyway, in the episode, William Henry Harrison, we find out that Jerry is a notary public, which was apparently a lifelong dream of his. This comes in handy as Leslie and Ron both need to sign a paper, but at this time in the series, they're fighting Excuse me. So Jerry just volunteers to go with Ben to get these signatures where that Leslie and Ron wouldn't have to be in the same room to sign in front of an, you know, a regular notary public. Jerry can just go to them and have them sign it. At Donna and Joe's wedding, Jerry finally gets some redemption. 
as Donna has intentionally put the name Gary on his placeholder. Donna knew that someone would see it and would get everyone to start mockingly calling him Gary, which of course does happen. However, when he realizes what Donna did, you see a really sweet connection between the two where he smiles at her and she winks back. That's, I think I said that in the Donna episode, that is one of my favorite scenes in the show. Because even though Donna is another one that picks on Jerry every once in a while, she is probably his closest thing to a friend. And I know Ben is the one that stands up and announces that he's, you know, that Jerry's his friend. But Donna actually, throughout the show, you see her with him a lot. They are kind of paired up a lot. Let's be redundant here. But yeah, so it's just a really sweet scene. And of course, yeah, April looks at his plays card and she's like, oh, who's Gary? Uh, Gary, Gary. They all start calling him that. And at first he's like, well, that's my. And then he realizes it. And he does a talking head and he's like, for the first time in 35 years, my coworkers are calling me by my great name, by my great name, by my real name. Oh, I'm truly blessed. So good. In the episode primary, Donna notices Jerry on all fours looking into a drain in the courtyard. He has lost his wedding ring and is trying to fish it out using other articles of clothing, clothing, like his tie. He takes that off and he's trying to use it as like a little like hook kind of to get the thing. And he keeps everything he's trying to use to get the previous thing out. He keeps dropping into there. And it's so funny because this is a, another great scene with Donna and Jerry where she comes out just to be like, what do you, cause at this point in season seven, a lot of the crew is working in different spots. Like Donna and Jerry aren't working together at this point, but she just happens to be at city hall. So she goes out and she's like, wow. She's like, this is a blast from the past. Just seeing him doing like klutzy, idiotic things. And as he's telling her that he lost his wedding ring, I, I, I can't, something falls out of his pocket. I, I like a watch or I can't remember, but it's so funny. And she just starts like laughing hysterically, not, at him, but just at the situation. And I think she's just reminiscent about like a lot of the things Jerry has done and how fitting it is that this is what he's spending his day doing. So after a while, Donna orders dinner for the two as they sit around and reminisce and share stories while Jerry continues to lose more jewelry and personal belongings down the drain. We learn here that Jerry's wife, Gail, has a bit of a mean side. Check this out. It's getting late. We need to bounce. I can give you a ride. Well, thank you, Donna. Probably going to get an earful when I get home tonight. Gail might even call me the B-word. Bozo. Wow. We are very different people. In the Johnny Karate Super Awesome Musical Explosion show, that's the name of the episode as well as the name of the show that Andy hosts, Jerry plays a character on Andy's show called... Ugh, Mailman Barry, which again, it's played for laughs, but I didn't laugh because it just at this point, like I said, it, I, I was just kind of growing old of these new names for Jerry. So anyway, this is only for the one episode, but still, he essentially just shows up and gets his ass kicked by a bunch of 10 year old ninjas. That's what he does on the show. In the episode two funerals, after Ben has no look, no luck trying to appoint an interim mayor after the death of Mayor Gunderson, he says, what the hell, and asks Jerry to be mayor. The episode ends with Jerry being appointed mayor, and then he gets to take flight in a hot air balloon. I absolutely loved this scene. 
It's not my favorite. Actually, you know what? Maybe it is, but I, I don't have that listed as my favorite scene, which I will get to with Jerry. But this was this is just redemption. And I love it so much. But Jerry is like such a nice guy that even this is just like, oh my God, thank you so much. Like I would have loved it if he just gave the middle finger to like the rest of the parks crew was like, F you guys, especially you, Tom. It would have been so good, but obviously that's not Jerry at all. That it, it, it would have been funny, but it wouldn't have made any sense. So anyway, and uh, in the series finale, One Last Ride, we flash forward to see that Jerry is no longer interim mayor. He has now been officially elected mayor and he keeps winning. And it's funny uh, in the episode that it's kind of like a montage. They just show throughout that Jerry keeps being elected. And Morris Lurpus, who is one of the side characters we see, he is the one that's swearing him in. And it's just like, hey, look at that. Guess what? Jerry Gergich won again. So he holds the, the title of mayor until the age of 100, where he dies a very peaceful death. At least that we know of. I, I hope it's a peaceful death. <laughs> and finally, in the Parks and Rec special, Jerry is still mayor and on his Zoom chat is mostly just shown accidentally uh, changing the settings on accident. You know, like when you're uh, doing like a uh, Facebook chat or whatever, and you can turn on the filters, you know, so you have bunny ears or like a skunk tail or something like that. Um, that's what Jerry's doing. Obviously, he's not doing it on purpose, but it's just more just to show how bumbling of a character he is. So that is the seasonal breakdown for Jerry Gergich. And real quick, I, like, I don't think I've ever said this in any other, other episodes, and I probably won't make it a weekly thing, but just so you as the listeners know, obviously when I'm doing these characters, I can't find, I mean, I can find it, but I'm not going to list every single thing they do. Because there are certain things like, Going back, looking at my older episodes, like Leslie's episode is like 40 minutes. That could have probably been like an hour and a half, and it probably should be. And maybe someday I'll go back and do it. But I try to just get the the most important things in here. So uh, probably didn't need to say that, and no one's complained about it, but I'm just letting you guys know. So thanks. Okay, so moving on. Jim O'Hare actually does appear in the Shirt universe. Woo! Usually get that for just the side characters, but... Jim O'Hare appears, appears in two episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He appears in Coral, Palm, Coral Palms Parts 2 and 3, which are both Season 4, and they are Episodes 2 and 3. Again, I think I said this when I did Mona Lisa, when I was talking about her. She was also in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I do remember when I was doing this, I knew Jim O'Hare was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine because I remember watching these episodes. So it was great to see him, but again, I watched it so long ago, I don't remember what the episode was about, but I do remember I was very happy to see him, and he wasn't playing like a bumbling idiot. He was a, a police officer, I think, though, so on that show, obviously, it's a comedy, so he might have been like a little like doofy, but he wasn't like clumsy like Jerry. My favorite scene from Jerry is... Wait a minute. Okay, yeah. So I'm going to actually play a clip for you. I'm just going to set it up real quick, though. So in this episode, Chris has been asked by Anne to be his uh, sperm donor. She wants to have a baby. So he's, he, she asked Chris, and he's been, like, thinking about it the whole episode. Actually, I think it's, like, a couple episodes it takes him to come up with a decision. But Ben tells him, why don't you, you know, without telling Tom, Ben says, why don't you just start 
treating Tom like he's your son. Talk to him like a father figure and see how that works out. So more towards the end of the episode, Chris is realizing that this is actually very hard to do, and he's worried about being a dad. So Jerry comes in with this nugget. You know, Chris, every parent makes mistakes. I mean, Lord knows I've made plenty. But it's the small victories that keep you going. When you see your little one take her first step or, or graduate college, oh my gosh, it just makes it all worth it. And another thing is if, if, like, if I, in, you know, and then your kids, and because you're like, I don't know, and everyone's like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I, no one ever lets me talk this long. I, I just got lost. It was a so yeah, the it just it's so great because again, Jerry just he he goes on with this amazing wisdom and then just starts like uh, 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 he doesn't know what to do because like he says, people don't usually let him talk that long, so he doesn't know how to keep going. I just I love that so much. It's such an underrated scene that people don't talk about very much. My favorite line from Jerry is in the episode "The Bubble." And this is where uh, Chris tries shaking things up by assigning everyone new duties. And while he's doing this, he tells Jerry that he believes he is capable of so much more. And Jerry just replies, I'm not. It's so it's so small, but I just I it's hilarious to me because he just has no confidence in himself and he knows what he is. He knows he's, he's good at doing mundane, easy tasks. And when someone gives him extra stuff to do, as Ron says, at one point, I think he like hides like a turtle in a shell. Okay, so uh, let's do a little trivia for Jerry Gergich. Jerry's career in government started in the animal control department. Gail took his virginity when he was 24 years old. He is a big fan of Colt's former quarterback, Andrew Luck. He performs magic and, and can also play the piano. He has a pacemaker and has a history of epilepsy. He needs to ask his wife's permission before he spends over $25 on anything. His house number is 420, which actually that was last week when I recorded. I should have been like, hey, guys, happy 420. Not sliding 420. I just that's cool guy talk for 420. Anyway, uh, and then he received plastic surgery after being hit by a fire truck. This was before the show started. We just know at some point this happened. So. It was just a couple little tidbits there for you. And that is going to wrap up this episode on Jerry Gergich. So again, please send any emails to citizensofpawnee at gmail.com. You can also check out my Instagram pages at citizens of Pawnee podcast and at parks rec memes. Please go ahead and check those out. Give me a follow. Uh, parks rec memes is a lot more uh, interactive where I do tournaments and uh, different polls uh, in my story page. So like people actually can get involved and it's really fun. New episodes drop every Wednesday morning and can be heard wherever you're listening now, as well as other major podcast platforms. Next week, I will be discussing Brandy Max and Jeremy Jam. Thanks again for listening to Citizens of Pawnee Podcast, a parks and recreation podcast. My name is Brian, and I will see you next week. The answer to the trivia question, 
what position did Ben Wyatt play on his JV baseball team? He played shortstop. <laughs>